Generative AI is all the rage in 2023. Our guest today is here to discuss all the hot features we've got in our Vancouver release. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals that I always say with the utmost love and respect, welcome to or welcome back to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast, where we bring you the latest tools, tips, and tradecraft to accelerate your career. My name is Chuck Tomasi, Senior Developer Advocate, and I am joined by the lovely, the smart, the posh programmer, <laughs> ServiceNow Developer Advocate, Lauren McManaman. How are you today, Lauren? As always, I am doing fantastic. How about you? I'm doing great. Off to a great start today. And I am so looking forward to talking to our guest about some generative AI stuff. Are you as excited about Gen AI as I am? Absolutely. I know it seems to be a really hot button topic, but I can't get enough of it. <laughs> and every day I learn something new. That's the mm. crazy part. Well, I am excited because in this episode, we've got the pleasure of talking to advisory solution architect, Chris Stoll. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing awesome. And I appreciate you and Lauren inviting me to speak with you and the listeners. I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to the overall conversation on Gen AI. Well, welcome to Breakpoint. As per tradition, before we get started, we like to get to know our guests a little bit. So tell us the, the story of your life in 30 seconds or less. Uh, that, that can be difficult. Uh, so I've been in the computer science and IT developer position for over 30 years, uh, doing everything from network implementations, help desk support, application development, web development. Um, and part of the, that time I spent 13 years as a government contractor. Uh, so actually this month is, uh, kind of the seven-year anniversary of my starting my journey here at ServiceNow with January being my seven-year anniversary. So uh, glad to be here. Well, huge congratulations on the seven-year anniversary. That's a humongous accomplishment on an already very storied career. One question we also like to toss out, obviously you've talked about all the cool stuff that you've done in your past. One question we also like to ask our guests is, is there a funny story in that long, lovely career history where you thought you did something that you might've gotten fired for, but didn't, but didn't just a, a comical faux pas perhaps. Um, well, it's not really a faux pas as much as it is uh, a, not a very pretty story either. Um, so I mentioned I worked as a government contractor, and you can imagine working in that sector, uh, you can find yourself in some precarious situations. Um, so quick story about that is I worked for a government organization, uh, came to that organization, was the knowledge manager slash process improvement uh, manager for the organization, worked with the development team on a custom web app that they had built did some data diving and looking at the data structure and so forth and found from a PII perspective that they weren't doing some things very well. So we totally redid, made sure all the security protocols, 32-bit encryption and so forth on key fields, PII fields were there, were done, uh, which it wasn't as good as it could have been. Uh, rolled the clock ahead about a year and a half into that position and through no control of our own, um, some bad actors got access to the server that this web app was running on. Yeah. Um, and did some queries, some uh, 
uh, SQL injections via web browser back in the day when that was, it's still an issue, but a big issue. And they were actually able to query supposedly some data. Yeah. Needless to say, the red team in the government world came in, you know, our system got shut down, red team came in, analyzed what we had done. And through the conversation with uh, the lead of the red team, he was asking me about, you know, these particular fields at a particular table. I said, yeah, they're labeled name, social security number, XYZ, um, but it's all garbage data in that table. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, that's the original table. Um, we pulled all the pertinent data, put it in a totally different table, 32-bit encrypted uh, content, but we left those fields in that table and we backfilled every record with junk and encrypted it. Oh, so, man. <laughs> so yeah, they can, they can have that. They're going to find just garbage data. There's nothing useful. Um, and the, the guy kind of laughed and said, who does this kind of stuff? I said, <laughs> I do. So, so, yeah, it wasn't a pretty picture. Uh, I've shrunk that down uh, into uh, a few about a month's worth of back and forth and under the microscope. But, uh, yeah, it needless to say, I was not the most liked guy for a few weeks until the red team came back and said, no, you guys are good. You can put all your services back online. Well, hot darn. It seems like you actually protected them from something bad happening. So who's kudos to you on that one? Yeah, it's uh sometimes you hide things in the obvious place, but not yeah. the real real thing that you want people to have. Seems like you're inspired by uh the tombs in ancient Egypt would often do that as well. It's a long-standing tradition of like give them a little but hide the rest behind. Exactly. Just make it a honey pot for them. So, come on, come on, let's see what you got. <laughs> yeah, well, it kept it kept them in that garbage data table. They never tried to get into any other tables or query anything else. They stayed there because they thought they had the honey pot and they just got, you know, sand in a pot. Got duped. <laughs> well, I'm always curious to know when you're doing your service now development, you're building things on the platform. What do you listen to? Well, I'm kind of old school. Um, so um as far as music goes, um, anything really. Um, I'm, I'm really just a music lover, but I'm of the old school of uh, I don't drink the Mountain Dew, uh, but I do drink soda and I eat Doritos. So that'll catch up with you after a while. Careful. Yeah, that's why we uh, we go on walks. All right. When you're not at work, what do you enjoy doing? So, you know. To escape from being a dad, husband, work, completely disconnect, right? Um, I found video games. Uh, you know, it's the computer science world, right? It's, it's the geek thing. Uh, so, yeah, video games. And uh, honestly, that's kind of how I got to service now, believe it or not. I started playing a video game about nine years ago. And again, I was a government contractor at the time and a co-op game met several people always great to meet people and i met this individual we start playing this one particular game regularly together uh i got to a point where i'm like i want to get out of the government contract world and he's like well why don't you come work at the company that i just started with and i'm like okay send me some information that was the first time we ever exchanged any type of personal information 
uh, and it was to ServiceNow. And so went online, applied for a couple positions, got rejected on one, got interviewed for the other, and the rest is history. I was you know, hired uh, seven years ago. I have never heard anybody say they made their ServiceNow connection through a video game yet. That's no. a new one on me. It can happen. Got to meet people. It goes in the face of all parents are like, video games just wasting time. Obviously, that's not the case all the time. So Yeah. And, <laughs> and by can... the way, him and I both are still here. No way. Yeah. He started in October, um, seven years ago. Um, and it was actually around this exact time frame, seven years ago, uh, that we had that conversation. And um, so he's still here. And uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm here. Well, it also goes to show that you never know where your next job lead is coming from. You've got to keep your options open all the time and be ready for that conversation. Absolutely. Now, pivoting away from your work history to ServiceNow's history, I think one question that we get a lot with regards to AI and even machine learning, right, is that are we following a trend? And so I, I would want to ask you for AI, is this something ServiceNow is, it's a bit of a leading question because I kind of already know the answer, but is this something that ServiceNow is just hitching its wagon to, or is this something that we've been working on for quite some time? Ironically enough, uh, we we as ServiceNow have been on this journey for seven years. Uh, <laughs> Lucky seven. Yeah, I, I, you know, I came in at the right time. I think uh, to this this particular conversation of AI and how ServiceNow has grown in our platform and making it in the intelligent platform. So we seven years ago, um, you know, we start making various investments, uh, investing in our own R and D teams, organically growing the platform uh, around AI technologies, uh, everything from machine learning capabilities, natural language querying, natural language understanding. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about those over the last five years, uh, or so in depth through presentations in the context of, you know, now intelligence or predictive intelligence. So the listeners have been involved in those. Those were the AI conversations. And those are the AI conversations uh, that we still have and we want to continue to have. Um, so they're still relevant. Uh, we're still bringing things like last year, document intelligence was a big one. It's not generative AI, it's traditional AI. So still re relevant, still important, important to our customers uh, today. And what are some of the places in the Now platform where people can find our generative AI? With generative AI, you characterize this and, and start us off with talk about the Vancouver release. So with the mm -hmm. Vancouver release, right, what we have done is brought generative AI to the platform through our built capabilities called Now Assist, right? So when with Now Assist, we deliver the skills, the capabilities for different workflow applications developed and supported by our by our own now LLM. So mm -hmm. those LLMs modeled by our own R&D teams, trained against our own data and further trained against some of our customer data that were um, part of our control go to market group. Uh, and then moving forward, customers that you know implement uh, the, the Gen AI uh, will opt in to use their data to continue to train. Right. 
Um, the now LLMs are all curated and hosted with our own data centers. So they're, you know, domain specific uh, to our customers, our applications, our implementations, right? With the now LLMs, um, we're not just limiting our customers to what we provide, right? We are making access to the public domain LLMs like OpenAI and Microsoft Azure OpenAI as well. Mm -hmm. But to focus on now assist and our domain specific LLMs, uh, we have now assist for admins. Our admins need to know uh, or need a way to actually deploy these capabilities, right? So we've built a nice dashboard workspace for them to activate the LLMs, uh, manage the skills around some of those LLM uh, implementations, as well as see analytics uh, for the performance of the different capabilities. Then when we shift, and one thing I want to back up and, and say is, now Assist is coming to all of our workflows. It's not just one product, right? Or one, one capability group. Uh, yeah. So now Assist is for ITSM, CSM, and HRSD to begin with. Uh, and further products are on the roadmap. So these apps are core module plugins that provide features and skills for the products. And the first big skill they're providing is called summarization. So if we kind of roll back the clock and, and look at uh, an agent that gets a um, an incident or a case, right? And they have to read through, maybe they're the second person in line. They need to read through all the activities that have already been performed, right? Yeah, like when you get transferred to someone else over, you don't want to look through all the case notes. You'd rather have a summary. <laughs> yeah, so, but that that looking through those case notes takes time, right? So if wouldn't it be great if you could just click a button or have a summary presented to you that shows you what's already happened that you can quickly look through uh, and then immediately start interacting with that uh, end user that is related to the case, the caller or the the, the provider of the, the case, right? So all minimizing um, that, that long four or five minutes of review down to a couple seconds, uh, mm -hmm. possibly. So now assist for ITSM, CSM, HRSD, and industry apps and further apps as we roll them out, we'll all have that. But it's not just case note summarization, uh, interactions, so, Lauren, you mentioned getting transferred. Well, let's say it was a chat and it gets transferred from the virtual agent into that. Now, I want to talk to a real person scenario, right? Again, summarization of that interaction to the agent. So that way they don't have to kind of scroll back and forth, right, to to see what was going on. So that's now assist, uh, you know, in, in a real short, <laughs> uh, window of, of explanation for our individual purpose-built apps that we've rolled out. Uh, one of the other now assist capabilities is enhancing our AI search to another level. So right now, traditional search is 
you know, you go in, you, you type some words in a box and you get these links, this list of links. But what if you're able to say, take the first knowledge article and then grab that and send it to a prompt uh, and then get back like a list of steps. So I'll use a quick example that everybody here can go try, which is go out to Google, for example, and ask it, how do I install an app on my phone? Well, four or five years ago, you would see just a bunch of links to a bunch of websites that talk about how to install an app on, on your respective phone product. Now, if you look at Google, they actually give you like, oh, do these five things. Uh, if it's an Android, it's like, oh, go to the Play Store or open the Play Store and then go search for your app and click, you know, it's right up at the top. With now assist for search, we're doing the same thing right within oh. the platform. Uh, so when you are on a service portal, you type a search term for the knowledge base, you won't just get a list of KB articles or, or items. You'll actually get a summarized step-by-step um, -step possible approach to whatever your query is. Like, how do I sign, for, sign up for um, or how do I apply for time off? Oh, well, go do these three things instead of just a KB article. And then finally, uh, my personal favorite, and I'm sure Chuck, one of your personal favorites, is now assist for creator. Um, mm -hmm. Chuck, everybody knows you've been a longtime developer with, uh, and, and I as well. Um, so for developers, right, uh, years ago, we had this thing called IntelliSense that as you type syntax uh, and uh, of a particular code structure, and let's say you were uh, typing an object and then dot, it would pop up like the methods and other variables within that yeah. object, right? Well, how can we take that the next step further? I want to know how to write a code construct for getting the the getting incidents over the last 30 days. So mm -hmm. now we can go in with text to code from now assist for creator and actually type that as a comment statement, hit a key combination of like control enter and generative AI will take that as a prompt and give me back a glide record, you know, syntax for querying the incident table, restricting it through a um, filter of the last 30 days, uh, the whole code block. The other beauty of text-to-code also is it's context-aware. So let's say I realized, oh, I wanted to restrict that even further to just the current user that's looking at the data, right? Um, so I can drop another comment down right before the query statement and say um, only in you know only records relevant to me, which will give us the current user that's viewing right, and it will actually drop in the block uh, midstream at at your prompt. So very very powerful um, for us developers. Also found that it's context aware based on what field you're on. Uh, I believe I saw a demo you did where you were looking at the service portal widget record and you type in a comment and out comes server side code because you're in the server field. You move to the client controller field and out comes AngularJS client code. Like, wow, that's 
that's amazing that it knows that difference. I, I had one today where I was uh, toying around and I said, I wonder if it knows the objects and whatnot available to mail script. And the Monaco editor is there. So all I've got to do is try it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you bring up the widget code blocks, uh, same, same thing in like a business rule, right? Mm -hmm. When you're having to script out that business rule, um, you have the, the current and previous objects. So if you write a comment and the current or previous object in that business rule is applicable, it knows you're in a business rule and it will grab either current or previous. So you opened up the floodgates because you already mentioned the roadmap. So your fault, not mine, that I'm bringing it up in a question form. Is there anything about GenAI's roadmap that you can expand upon and possibly where it's being made available in the future releases? There, there are quite a few things uh, in the roadmap. Uh, and I think, you know, before we talk about that, I'd like to talk about uh, where else the Gen AI is actually made available. But wait, there's more. Oh, sorry. No, no problem. Um, so I talked about Now Assist, right? These are all ServiceNow produced, uh, developed, and, de and made available to our customers, right? But there's that general purpose side of the world, right? The, the, the open AI, the, the Azure open AI, LLMs and other LLMs out there. We haven't put a constraint on our customers just with what ServiceNow is delivering to market, right? Um, we are making through what we call the Gen AI controller. Um, think of it as a layer that everything flows through, kind of like a mid server, uh, if you want to use that analogy, uh, that allows us not only to connect to the ServiceNow LLM, but to these general purpose or these external domain LLMs. So with the controller, we're able to release spokes. So those of listeners that are familiar with how Integration Hub works, um, there are spokes we will release that will connect to the controller um, and that they configure. And that's what actually exposes the capabilities in products like Flow Designer or the virtual agent conversation creator mm -hmm. uh, that people can create prompts uh, as part of their workflow or that conversation or, or identify the right prompt they want to use that will go out and use that general purpose uh, LLM and provide results. So um, one area I'd like to bring up in, in that context, and Lauren, you are a part of this, was the uh, live coding happy hour that you guys did with Earl and, and Victor, and I think Andrew Barnes was there. Um, I recommend everybody go watch that. It was one funny. You guys did some pretty <laughs> hilarious stuff, uh, but it was a great example of how to use the the OpenAI spoke, um, or Azure OpenAI spoke through the, the uh, controller to do workflows uh with flow designer yeah that was that was really good i had a chance to finally watch that i was on pto when they originally did that but uh came around and watched it it was a, it was a lot of fun i don't know who came up with those examples but I, well, no, I don't know earl's got a pretty uh pretty good on the fly uh personality so yeah he does chris are there use cases 
where generative AI really doesn't apply, things that it doesn't address? Well, you know, I think it's in the name of, of generative AI, right? So you just asked me a question and I'm giving you a response, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm generating uh, content back to you based on your prompt, your inquiry. It takes something being asked to then come back. That's the use cases around generative AI. Um, what generative AI doesn't address is a lot of those processes, those logical processes that our existing AI that I talked about earlier addresses, right? Generative AI is not going to replace the classification or the similarity AI that we already have in the platform. Okay. Those those are you know AIs that you set up word corpses or other models that continuously operate in the back end um, or react based on like a new record being created um, or like an event being fired off and captured as a record. Um, so those are AIs that have a use case. Uh, the way I kind of talk about generative AI, it's the in the moment capability, right? Um, so you're you're having a you know you're going through a process in the moment i need some additional insight or additional information uh, about you know in context so to me it's generative ai has its purpose it's it's an in the moment uh, versus other ais that are constantly doing things on the back end um, now some of those are in the moment uh, in some cases but there, there's, there's different. There's, there's. Yeah, NLU is the one that comes to mind that seems like it's also in the moment because you're asking mm -hmm. it a question. It has to understand the intent and the utterances and put together the the outputs based on that. So it seems like there's a bit of overlap there. Yeah. Well, I mean, AI is actually a broad spectrum of functionality, sure, sure. right? <laughs> yeah. So, so everything. There's a lot of AIs that are very purpose oriented, and generative AI is just now that next purpose oriented AI. Yeah, people talk mm -hmm. about AI like it's a it's a singular robot that exists in the world, not a variety of patterns and algorithms. <laughs> yeah, it's like saying food. Yeah, it, it could yeah. be dog food. It could be human food. It could be to a specific culture. It could be cooked. It could be raw. It could be. You know, there's so many different variants on mm -hmm. food. Just like there are so many different ways to slice and dice. Wow, there's a mixed metaphor. <laughs> slice and dice your AI. True. Oh, absolutely. Now, one aspect about the success of an AI is the language model that it is utilizing. You hear that, that three-letter acronym popping up all the time, LLM. How are ServiceNow's uh, large language models, that's what LLM stands for, being trained? Is there any type of governance that they are employing as well? Yeah. So I think what's important uh, for any organization that is bringing uh, generative AI and, and a lot of AI to the market and to their customers is that, you know, we, we do that in a very trustworthy manner, right? Um, so, you know, it's not it's not just, oh, there's this new thing out there uh, and let's let's put a hook to it and, and let people run wild. Right. So we have our generative AI team, the teams building 
and working on our LLMs, as well as what external LLMs we provide doors to, like OpenAI and Azure OpenAI. Um, we do have a centralized governance that is looking, because this is a global scale thing, right? So we have impacts from various governments and legal out organizations that are, you know, trying to, you know, control or manage what AI um, is doing or can be done with AI. So we need to look at this on the global scale, but then also internally, uh, what securities are in the platform that we do not want the AI to break? and expose data where it shouldn't be exposed, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, you know, the government's control or the local entities control through policies and criteria is not in our control. Then we have the security of the platform that is within our control that we need to be cognizant of. Uh, and then, you know, how do we make it available? Uh, giving our customers or partners that are deploying these AI capabilities and our own teams, how we want that, that experience to actually be presented and when should that experience be entertained, right? Um, so from those three pillars, you know, that we're taking a very serious approach at looking at those areas uh, so that way we maintain our brand, our trust with our customers. Uh, and then once we're confident that it's ready, we want to roll this out. We want to make this available. We're control phasing our releases, right? We will release it when it's ready um, and make sure we're able to provide uh, a trustworthy product to our customers. Oh, Chris, you mentioned the releases. So uh, let's talk about the release cycle. Usually, you know, in the past, we've uh, only done, you know, technology releases or capability releases when the next big release, the major release came out, right? Mm -hmm. um, but a few years ago, we started doing things through our store. So that's how we're going to leverage delivery uh, with the now assist components and upgrades to the controllers, add new spokes to other LLMs uh, is through store, through our through our ServiceNow store, right? So uh, right now, uh, it allows us to release at will, but uh, all the teams are working on a every other month release cycle. Don't know how long that's going to last. So even though Washington isn't out until spring of next year, that doesn't mean everybody has to wait for any new improvements or updates, right? Uh, we just released at the end of September on our inaugural release. And so everybody can expect sometime in November, uh, something either fixes or new improvements, uh, new capabilities, new skills that uh, will be brought to the Now Assist or maybe access to a new uh, LLM like Google. Now, you talked about the concept of uh, like learning new skills and things like that. And one one thought that comes to mind for developers, are there any skills that developers can focus on to hone to use with our generative AI features? Like I, the development utilizing AI is pretty different from traditional coding. So is there anything that they could practice to be prepared for this new wave of development? Right now, 
in the current context of what ServiceNow is delivering. Our developers within um, our different business units like ITSM, CSM, and the like uh, that are packaging the Now Assist capabilities, right? We're, we're doing that. So for users, for our customers, there's really nothing particular around that component of, of other than just being able to, you know, install, right? Or, or deploy the plugin or update the plugin to the latest release. Now, in the custom use cases where they're using Flow Designer uh, to do an, an external prompt out to, let's use Azure OpenAI, that is an area that people need to explore. You know, what makes a good prompt? Um, what, you know, what is, what is the right data content that should be made available to then produce the output? So, for example, um, I'll just use a Now Assist and how Now Assist is doing case summarization, right? We actually supply the short description, the long, the, the big description block, as well as all the work notes from an incident, for example, um, and all those activity notes, right? Uh, that all gets fed as a prompt to our now LLM that gets then processed and then provides back that summary of all the activities. You know, what was the initial problem? What were the steps that have already been taken? And then if you take it to the next part of like a closed case, uh, what was the resolution, right? So it's knowing and learning how to provide good prompts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's an area that if people haven't uh, already started exploring, uh, then that's something they need to research and and go f- you know look at uh, what is good prompts in the generative AI space. I normally save this question for our product managers, but since <laughs> you're here and you're an authority on this subject so far, can you give us a hint of what's on the roadmap? Well. I appreciate you putting me in the category of authority, but uh, I'll I'll, re- I'll I'll retract myself from that group. Um, but yes, uh, so for all the the matrix lovers out there, I'm going to paraphrase or steal a phrase from Morpheus uh, and uh, say, "Expand your mind." Right. Mm. So expand your mind based on what we've already talked about. Talked about right. Uh, we've only touched the surface of these purpose-built applications, first of all, right? The ITSMs, the CSM, the HRSD. So what's on the roadmap? ITOM, strategic portfolio management, our industry SKUs, right? Those are on the roadmap. When? We'll know when they come. Um, I don't have you know exact milestones to know when they're coming, but expand your mind there. We've got other areas we need to explore. Now, when you get to the functionality, the actual capabilities of what types of generative things um, that I've talked about, like summarization or code completion, right? What about uh, knowledge article generation based on looking through a series of you know, resolutions on certain types of incidents, generating the knowledge article? Um, root cause analysis, uh, actually 
providing a summary of the different events that have taken place that might have caused some activity to, you know to occur and actually provide that to the network engineers for example to to let them know that this is what's happened here's the summary so you know expand your mind um and then you know to the text to code i'm sure that through this conversation when i was talking about text to code some others might have already started expanding their mind in the sense of um well, if you can do code generation, could you do flow generation or maybe app generation since we have our no code, low code platform? Oh. Um, so maybe a tech, you know, capability to write a small script story of I need an app that can do this or I need a flow that does this and you get a flow or a process or an app generated. So expand your mind. Um, not, you know, these are things that uh, are in the brainstorming roadmap. Some of them may be things actually on the roadmap, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to look forward to in this context of generative AI. And one question that we always kind of like to end on as well is that, especially with someone with such a long career in computer science and in tech, are there any words of advice that you would have for new developers listening to today's episode? The the one thing that I've done over, you know, my time being in this space is I'm always hunting and looking for information. In the context of ServiceNow specific, you have to be willing to put in the time to understand the platform. And yeah. so what do I mean by this, right? Is it's, it's a lot of this didn't exist seven years ago. Um, and if you're just becoming aware of it, like some of our other AI that's already in the platform, go learn it, right? And you can, you know, we make uh, the learning opportunity, I think much easier today. Mm. ServiceNow YouTube channels. I mentioned that live coding happy hour. You, uh, Chuck, and the team, you know, you do a great job of putting out different content on the developer uh, uh, YouTube channel for ServiceNow. Our developer site, Chuck, you love that site. You reference it a lot. And it's a lot of things oh, you yeah. do. Uh, the <laughs> blogs, the guides, the references, wealth of information out there. But, you know, instead of talking you guys up, about all the great things you do, <laughs> um, you know, we we do have our own community, right? Snugs is a great way to get involved outside your work domain, or maybe there's one that exists in your company um, already. Join them, be a part of them. Uh, and then last, uh, but not definitely the least, uh, is our own now learning site, right? There is a lot of self-paced on-demand content out there. And by the way, there are already some now assist and gen AI modules Ooh. on that site. So there's already learning opportunities out there. People just need to go take advantage of them. Thank you very much for joining us today, Chris. Before we leave, can you let the listener know how they can get in touch with you if they've got additional questions or comments? Sure. Always, always willing to take uh, on the fly questions and comments uh, from people. Uh, as Chuck, you introduced me. My name is Chris Stoll. Uh, it's chris.stoll at servicenow.com. 
Um, I not big on playing the Twitter game uh, or the X game now. Uh, so best way would be through email. Uh, and it's traditional spelling of Chris, C-H-R-I-S dot S-T-O-L-L at servicenow.com. Uh, but yeah, that's that's probably the easiest way. I would ask, though, if your listeners are a part of a partner uh, or a customer, get in touch with your partner manager or your account rep. Um, you can drop my name, have them get back to me, uh, and I'll be more than happy to, to connect with you. Excellent. And as always, I'll have links and email addresses and whatnot in the show notes. Well, thank you very much, Chris. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Also want to remind you to check out the Creator Toolbox that we we did on October 10th with Fernando Rivero. A lot of cool stuff in there. Wonderful, interesting use case. Stretches you beyond what we've done and seen so far. I really, really enjoyed that. Don't forget, we have a lot of other ServiceNow podcasts. I invite you to go listen to them. You can find them at servicenow.com slash community under the events menu. You can subscribe to this or any of those wherever you find podcasts and have them automatically delivered to you for free. Breakpoint is brought to you by ServiceNow. Executive producer would be me and Lauren. To find out more about the ServiceNow developer program, we always invite you to go over to the aforementioned developer.servicenow.com. Once again, thank you very much for joining us today and sharing, Chris. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was great. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, what's our guest today going to do? Best practice. What are we doing here today? Come on, Chris, help me out here. All righty. Looking forward to another break point. Are you looking forward to another break point? Oh, I, I thought I, you didn't sound like you asked a question. You said, I'm looking forward to another break point. I was like, okay, <laughs> great. I'm glad you are. In this episode. W- wait, no, wait. I said, how are you today? Chuck. Oh, you asked me? Yes. <laughs> uh, with the now LLMs. We're making those. Uh, I'll step back here. Don't forget, you can check out this and all the other ServiceNow podcasts, blah, 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 servicenow.com slash community, blah, 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 blah. Ding, 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 ding. We've reached the end.